This is the Leader Technique Podcast. I'm Dr. Jody John, a researcher with experience and background in high-tempo, hazardous operations like wildland firefighting and Antarctic science logistics. I've spent my research career looking into ways that people who are not alpha males navigate leadership, safety, and inclusion in male-dominated work. And I think it's all about technique. Join me in talking about leadership practices, teamwork design, and safety culture. I throw in self-coaching techniques along the way too, because a solid self-coaching practice will get you where you want to go that much faster, especially as you lead. Get podcast notes to your inbox at www.leadertechnique.com. That's leadertechnique, all one word, dot com. Find me on LinkedIn at Jody John. That's J-O-D-Y-J-A-H-N. And I'm on Instagram at leader.technique. Welcome. This is the Leader Technique Podcast, Episode 6. We're going to talk about how leadership trainings in fire and across industries tend to be tailored specifically to alpha males. If you do not engage with the world in an alpha male way, regardless of your gender, then you might have noticed that you have a bunch of gaps to fill in your leadership development, and that there are not a ton of resources that can help you spell out a different direction that you could go. In this episode, I'm going to break down some leadership development challenges that might come up for you and how I've explored them in my research. I'll also line out a few things I see as a way forward. This episode actually kicks off a series where I'll name some things in this episode, then I'll go into depth on each one in subsequent episodes. I'm going to start with some quotes from women wildland firefighters that are part of the data set for the Deep Dive into Wildland Fire Culture Project that Matt Carroll and I are working on. We collected several tweet-length thoughts from firefighters, ending that data collection about a year ago and moving on to a new data collection this summer and fall. One question we asked was, how, if at all, does gender make a difference in how people are perceived in fire? We had response themes ranging from gender does make a difference to gender does not make a difference to gender should not make a difference. And right now, I'm only going to dig into the bucket of responses that said that gender does make a difference. Here are some things that people said. As a female, everyone remembers me more than the men. It makes me more scared to make a mistake, and if I do, I may never live it down. Another person said, I do not have credibility based on my record alone. I have to prove I have the experience to those who do not know me. Inequities due to gender, ethnicity, and other factors are real. People are more likely to trust those like themselves, creating an inclusion gap. Another person said, I feel self-doubt and not wanting to step up until I feel I'm absolutely ready. I feel my male coworkers are more willing to jump into positions and figure it out. As a female, I'm described as bitchy or bossy or pushy when I'm assertive. I was raised to believe I could do anything, but also that I need to behave like a lady. Another person said, women work twice as hard as their male counterparts to have their suggestions turn into actions and to not have their mistakes blamed on their gender. Women work constantly to try to disprove stereotypes in this field. Exemplary women strive for perfection, a habit which can often lead to burnout. And that's the end of the quotes. So now we're back to me. Full disclosure, my time in fire was really positive. I worked on one crew early on that had a pretty toxic culture, but once I moved to the Payette, life was really good. I worked with people who are, to this day, my closest friends. I appreciate that I had excellent opportunities for training and trainee assignments, and nobody ever made me feel like I was lucky to be there. 
But fire culture is big. And even if you have a majority positive experience like I did, you're still going to notice various social dynamics because you see them on other crews or because you notice subtle ways you're treated in certain interactions. Little moments like that can add up and send a message about what the culture sees as the quote, right person for the job. A little backstory here. The question that drove me into graduate school that I wrote my application essay on was how do women leaders in male-dominated professions quickly gain credibility and legitimacy so they can get to work? You could look at that as a gender question or as an organizing question or as a status question. And while a gendered lens offers value, the research I was looking at when making the decisions about my research track about 20 years ago, all reported the same stuff. Women in studies that use sex as a binary variable are seen as less credible, legitimate than men, and there's a bunch of BS they have to deal with. Double standards, marginalization, bias, not being taken seriously. Plus, these problems are systemic, which basically means they're not going away. Interesting. But the work I kept encountering was not very solution-focused. And to be fair, social science is about identifying and explaining problems, not necessarily about solving them. I wanted to understand leadership situations, the undercurrents going on, the social and status dynamics at play, the relationships being acted out in the moment, the ways that status shifts around as people outmaneuver each other through conversations. And for me, the research and theories about organizational behavior, especially in the communication field, were really good at bringing to the surface those dynamics that we feel and intuitively know are at play, but that we don't always have labels for. One thing I know for sure is that you can't effectively deal with something until you slap a label on it. Gender-based work is good at labeling lived experience, but I was drawn to the ways that the organizational behavior theories gave me tools for mapping a path forward using non-obvious and sometimes strange theoretical explanations that helped me think differently and creatively about what a path forward could look like for people. I wanted to find some actionable middle ground for leaders who don't experience the world as alpha males, middle ground that lies somewhere between just do your best on one end of the spectrum and destroy the whole oppressive system on the other end. In my leadership research, my focus is on finding actionable ideas for planning routine communication and finding moments when you can make tiny changes in how you communicate that can make a big difference over time. We're talking seconds within an interaction or individual phrases in a conversation or pauses to think about a different way forward. I see these little moments as being crucial to identify for those of us who feel we're navigating social systems that were not built for how we move through the world. Leadership is one of those performances that has been designed around the alpha male archetype. Leadership trainings often celebrate and build off skills that come naturally for alpha males, like being assertive and directive. For example, what comes to mind when you think of the term command presence? Dig into that imagery. What body shows up? What gender, race, physical features do you see? How does the person move? How are you reacting to that person in your mind? Is the image in color or in black and white? Is it a photograph? Is it a movie? Is it up close or far away? These same trainings also tend to solve for the archetypal challenges that alpha males face that make their leadership less effective. Things like not inviting input from other people, being impatient and alienating the people that work for them, being abrupt in their communication. The list goes on. 
That's why we see leadership trainings focused on developing collaboration and facilitation skills, or we hear buzzwords like servant leadership, because these are areas where alpha male leaders struggle and with great consequence. You might have been sitting in one of your leadership trainings thinking, on the one hand, I've got this collaborative servant leadership stuff down. What's to learn here? But on the other hand, you walk out of the training thinking, well, crap, how do I project command presence so other people believe it? I guess I'll emulate what all the male leadership models around me are doing and just, I don't know, fake it till I make it. As part of the deep dive project, I interviewed several fire leaders. One person I interviewed, who is now in regional level fire management, said that she tried emulating the stoic, serious, leader of few words approach for years until she reached about the GS8 level. And then she realized that looking stoic for men in fire comes off as respectable, but for women, it looks like resting bitch face, and it terrifies people. She said she hit a turning point where she felt she needed to take the risk of trying out her own leadership style, even though she wasn't sure how it would be received. She said that it worked really well to lead her way, and she was glad she took that step. But she also talked about how scary it was to be vulnerable as a leader and to put her real self out there in a community that can be pretty judgmental and passive aggressive. This is nothing personal against the alpha male archetype or those who adopt its behaviors. It's just that we see so much leadership programming that looks like this for a practical reason. Because according to an article I read, which I'll try to link in the show notes, alpha males make up the majority of mid-level leaders in the corporate world. I suspect we're likely to see an even higher proportion of alpha male leaders when we look at paramilitary organizations like FIRE and the military itself. And I think it's important to acknowledge this aspect of most leadership training Because for many people, regardless of gender, leadership trainings don't build off our existing strengths and they don't help us solve for the areas we really want and need to develop. From my research and development on wildland fire teamwork and leadership over the past 18 years, I see three areas for development that can help you get comfortable with honing your own leadership style if you aren't an alpha male. I'll give an overview of these ideas in this episode, and then I'll unpack each one individually in the following episodes. So the first thing is to dial in your leadership style. It'll take me a minute to get to the punchline here, so bear with me. When we talk about leadership style, I think what comes to mind for most people right away is that theatrical performance of being the leader or the persona you're putting on when you lead. For example, trying to act out command presence or seem authoritative or be the stoic leader or take a collaborative angle on working with people. When we think about leadership style as being a persona or a theatrical type performance, we can get stuck because it might seem like you need to step into being a different person than who you already are in order to lead or to be seen as a leader. And that's not very helpful. You can feel like a round peg trying to fit into a square hole, and you never feel like you can fully just relax and be who you are. You'll always have this wall up, and that wall is there because the opposite of acting out a different persona is to be fully yourself, warts and all, which I also don't think is quite the answer either. So I think of leadership style a bit differently, more concretely. And here's my take. You don't need to lead people based on the force of your personality or persona. Some people can, 
But you don't want to rely on force of personality for leadership because you might end up leading groups of people who have no interest in your personality and who aren't persuaded by it. Have you ever been in front of a group of people and you felt that vibe that they just don't like you or they don't have any interest in listening to you? But you still have to lead them well. How do you do that? What's your approach? When I talk about dialing in your authentic leadership style, I mean getting clear on what your approach is to leading. What methods of leading make the job more comfortable and logical for you? How do you organize your folks? How do you organize your time together? What are the rhythms you've set up for briefing people, lining them out, debriefing them, setting up learning practices? Within each of those, what expectations have you set up for when and how people should contribute to the conversation? You also want to think about the relationships you've set up between people on your crew or team or however you label the group that you lead. Are you intentionally setting up less experienced people with more experienced people so they can teach and learn, for example? And how are you training other people to interact with you? For instance, are you receptive to input? Are you too receptive to input? Are you dismissive of input? How do you handle it when folks you lead try to lead up? When they're ahead of you and prompting you to catch up, does that put you on the offensive or the defensive? Or can you appreciate and build off the efficiencies others are contributing to your operation? The second thing is to learn how to intentionally design the culture of your crew. This is something I've been fleshing out in my research since 2010. The core elements that you need to be aware of include first, the realities of your staffing. What's the mix of experience levels on your crew? What's the turnover been like? How does your crew typically work? Do you all work as a single unit all season like a hotshot crew? Or do you split up and rotate across assignments like a helitack crew with multiple ships? Next, your crew's staffing realities are going to play a huge role in the secondary purpose that you, as a leader, define for your crew. The primary purpose, of course, is firefighting using whatever equipment modality you have, engine, helicopter, etc. Your secondary purpose, though, refers to how you need to design your specific crew practices and interaction patterns so that your people are set up for success. Success for one crew might refer to getting newbies trained up with foundational skills. For another crew, success might mean pushing your experienced folks out of their comfort zones to expand their leadership capacity. If you have a mix of newbies and experienced folks, then you need to design your crew so the newbies have what they need to safely learn and grow as firefighters. You can set up informal mentor-mentee interaction patterns between the more and less experienced folks so that the more experienced folks get a low-stakes chance to teach and lead and the less experienced folks are getting the oversight and input they need to build foundational skills. Depending on those kinds of needs and your staffing patterns, then you'll go about reverse engineering your crew's culture. And I'll go into more detail uh, in the episode after next. The third thing you want to think about is integrating equity, inclusion, and diversity into your existing crew or team practices. Matt Carroll and I are working on a guide that goes into detail on this as part of our deep dive into Wildland Fire Culture Project. We're in the midst of interviewing eight different Wildland Fire crew configurations to see how they do this. I'll give a few brief insights here, but I'll go into more detail on those in an upcoming episode. 
The practical issue is that when organizations push for diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI efforts, it tends to be this extra thing that gets piled on to all the other things that you're doing. Not only do you have to fight fire and do all this administrative paperwork just to get paid, you also now have to do these implicit bias trainings and learn that other people bring different perspectives to the job. This is very important personal or individual level work to do, but you're going to see, and we see in our deep dive data set, lots of people pushing back against doing these things. Yet the issue remains that as a leader, you still need to provide a diverse, equitable, and inclusive work environment regardless of whether your people are in step with you on that or not. So for our current stage in the deep dive project, Matt and I are looking at how these eight crew configurations integrate diversity, equity, and inclusion into their everyday work practices and routines. In other words, how do they set up their crew's collective interdependent actions, their routines or practices in other words, in such a way that provides an infrastructure for DEI? We're finding that when supervisors design their crew processes to create DEI, they set up a crew culture that feels psychologically safe. You might have heard that term, psychological safety, before. It's a concept coined by management scholar Amy Edmondson at Harvard, and it refers to the belief that you will not be punished or humiliated for speaking up in a group with ideas, questions, concerns, or mistakes, and the extent to which people feel the group is safe for interpersonal risk-taking. So interpersonal risk-taking means things like directly questioning a call somebody made, trusting that they won't immediately shut you down, or you feel it's safe to tell people people you work with that you're feeling run down and need to move a bit slower today. Uh, and you also trust that they will listen and understand rather than tell you to man up or something equally unhelpful. Another thing we're finding, which isn't a surprise given that's, that it's all over the teamwork literature already, is that it's that it is squarely on crew supervisors to design their crew culture and practices and to hold people to doing them. One of the valuable products that's coming out of this round of our data collection process is going to be a guide on how to design crew culture intentionally so you can integrate DEI into the social infrastructure you're setting up. We'll also have guidelines for supervisors based on what our interviewees have told us works for them. So to summarize, alpha male leadership is not the best fit for everyone. If you feel you have some gaps to fill in your leadership development, my advice is to get specific about how you want to organize your people and yourself as the leader. What kind of culture do you want to set up on your crew or team? What crew routines support the spirit of that culture as you and your crew act out those routines every day? How do you envision relating with the people that work for you? And how do you want to set them up to interact with each other? Start thinking through these questions and we'll go into more detail in the next several episodes. Thank you so much for listening. That was kind of a lot to take in, but no problem. You can get episode notes straight to your inbox by signing up at www.leadertechnique.com. That's leadertechnique, all one word, spelled normally, dot com. I'm also on LinkedIn at Jody John. That's J-O-D-Y-J-A-H-N. And I'm on Instagram at leader.technique. Have a great week.